from 90.3 RLC WBPH FM Piscataway. It's the Core News for the week of Monday, September 27th. This week on the Core News, we've got some international news. We'll find out about some new things going on in music, hear about what's happening in the environment right here in New Jersey. We'll hear a little about Rutgers activities that you too can participate in right here at Rutgers University. And speaking of Rutgers University, we will hear excerpts from the Rutgers President's annual address, which was delivered this past Friday. But first, it's time for an update of what's been happening in the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. Here's Amy Bronstein. In Afghanistan on Monday, September 20th, the British handed control of the violent Sangin district over to U.S. forces. The U.K. is the second largest NATO member nation in Afghanistan, providing 9,500 of the 150,000 troops currently in the country. America is the largest NATO member nation, with 100,000 troops on the ground in Afghanistan. On Friday, September 24th, three journalists employed by Al Jazeera and an Afghan radio station were freed from NATO and International Security Assistance Force, or ISAF, custody. Al Jazeera argues that the detentions are part of an attempt by the ISAF leadership to suppress its comprehensive coverage of the Afghan war. While NATO and ISAF released the journalists without conditions, they said intelligence reports had led them to suspect the journalists of being media facilitators for the Taliban. Many reporters have regular contact with Taliban spokesmen while covering the war. However, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan have seen an unprecedented reliance on journalists embedded with U.S. combat troops, rather than journalists independently gathering information in the field. Afghan President Hamid Karzai also threw his weight into the ring and began pressuring for the release of the journalists on Thursday. Also on Friday, the Pentagon confirmed that it had bought and destroyed 9,500 copies of former CIA Anthony Schaefer's memoir to prevent the dissemination of classified information. A reprint with around 250 pages censored was cleared for sale on Friday. On Saturday, September 25th, a joint NATO and Afghan air raid killed dozens of Taliban members, an unknown number as yet, while locals say some civilians had been killed, and the Taliban says that everyone killed was civilians. U.S. forces maintain that all casualties are Taliban. And in Iraq, as months of post-election deadlock stretch on, Ayad Alawi, leader of the coalition, which won a slight majority in the March national elections, said that his voting bloc would absolutely not okay another term for incumbent Prime Minister Nouriel Maliki. Maliki had cobbled together a Shia coalition with slightly more votes than Alawi's secular bloc. However, it is an uneasy alliance between Maliki's party and supporters of the more radical Shia cleric Muqtada al-Sadir. The satirists also do not want Maliki to have another term as Prime Minister, though Maliki himself says that he is vital to the survival of Iraq's government. I'm Amy Bronstein with a Core News War Update. You're listening to the Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. Now it's time for some international news. According to Laura Rosen at Politico, Iranian President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad told reporters Tuesday that Iran is ready to start talking again with the United States. He reaffirmed Iran's opposition to nuclear weapons. However, Ahmadinejad gave no word on whether or not Iran would release Joshua Fatal 
and Shane Bauer, two of the three American hikers that the Iranian government has been detaining illegally for the past year. The third hiker, Sarah Shord, was released two weeks ago and spoke with Oprah Winfrey on Wednesday about her experience in an Iranian prison. A dispute over territories on the India-Pakistan border has now caused 105 days of violence and unrest. India and Pakistan have been fighting over the provinces of Jammu and Kashmir for five decades. The Indian Express, an English-language Indian newspaper, reported Friday that one policeman has been killed and over 2,600 police personnel have been injured. Violence in the region has also resulted in damage to 29 police stations and as many as 29 departmental or private vehicles. The homes of 23 policemen have been burnt down or damaged by the mobs. The violence has claimed the lives of 104 protesters and left 500 others injured. In the Middle East, a report by Manuela Badawi at Reuters indicates that Mahmoud Abbas, the Palestinian leader of the West Bank, has drawn his line in the sand. In a speech to the United Nations General Assembly in New York on Saturday, Abbas said that while the Palestinians would exert every sincere effort to reach a peace agreement with Israel within a year, Israel must choose between peace and the continuation of settlements. The settlements in question are civilian Jewish communities located in the Palestinian-occupied West Bank. These settlements have led to violence between Palestinians and Israelis living together in the occupied land. Israel, in the interest of peace, put a freeze on future settlements that just ended Sunday. It looks like if the peace process is going to succeed, Israel will have to extend that freeze while negotiations continue. Finally, it looks like a weapons deal between Saudi Arabia and the Pentagon will go forward. The deal will be worth up to $60 billion in what Pentagon officials say would be the largest foreign arms deal ever. According to the terms of the deal, the Saudis will receive as many as 84 new F-15 fighter jets, 70 upgraded F-15s, and three types of helicopters, 70 Apaches, 72 Blackhawks, and 36 Little Birds. The timing of this deal and the lack of major media coverage is particularly curious given the uproar over the planned Islamic Community Center two blocks from Ground Zero. Imam Rauf is a Muslim American who has stated that he wants to promote tolerance and religious unity by building an interfaith community center on the site of an old Burlington coat factory. Apparently, this is more newsworthy than America selling weapons to Saudi Arabia, the country where 15 of the 19 actual 9-11 hijackers came from. Elements within the Saudi government also helped fund the 9-11 attacks and the Sunni insurgency in Iraq. The Sunni insurgency has led to the deaths of 4,400 American soldiers. Let's hope this weapons deal doesn't come back to haunt the Pentagon and the country. With the international news, I'm Yashwanth Manjanath. This is The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. So you'd like to find out what's going on in ecological and environmental news? Well, you're in luck. Hey there, it's Nana, and I'm glad to be here. Ah, okay, so now for the environmental news update only on 90.3 The Core. The Delaware River is where we're going first. We don't need our inner tubes yet. The Delaware River Basin Commission has authority over water issues in the Delaware Basin, and the Delaware River Basin Commission has enacted a moratorium on drilling in the Delaware Basin as the DRBC studies the full impact hydraulic fracturing will have on the water of the Delaware River. Now, they were expected to release their draft regulations by the end of this summer, 
to be followed by public rulemaking process, but that clearly isn't happening. So on September the 20th, the Delaware River Basin Commission said it was postponing the release of its hydraulic drilling regulations to give more time for the governors of New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and Delaware, each one belonging to the DRBC, to weigh in with their input. We are waiting with bated breath for what will happen next, and I'll report it when I find out. Now we're going to Cape May in New Jersey. Nice day to go to Cape May. The U.S. Navy destroyer Arthur W. Radford is to be next month and 30 miles off Cape May's coast to make an artificial reef. They're going to sink this Navy destroyer. I learned it will be a matter of weeks before fish start using the reef. It will attract scuba divers and perhaps fishermen. The reef will provide a place for smaller fish to hide from their predators. What environmental issues are raised from the placement of this artificial reef? Time will tell. And now for college news. NJIT, Keene University, Fairleigh Dickinson, the Florham Park campus of Fairleigh Dickinson are greening up their dining hall food by growing organic vegetables to serve their students. NJIT in Newark has their garden up on the roof. Julianne Aiello, the Director of Sustainability and Marketing for Gourmet Dining at NJIT and other area universities said, all of the schools like the idea of providing their campus with locally grown food while also creating a living classroom for students to study the science of organic gardening. This is local. This is our space. This is a place where we can decide what we want to grow and how we want to grow it, so said Miss Aiello. The idea of organic gardens has been pushed by NJ college students who are joining the organic movement and encouraging their students to provide more pesticide-free and locally grown food. Here at Rutgers, there is the Cook Organic Club. I'm going to read from their mission statement. The purpose of the Cook Organic Garden Club shall be to learn and use organic gardening techniques and to provide members of the Rutgers University community with space and means to grow organic produce for recreation, enjoyment, research, and education. Want to learn more? Start here at the Yahoo group Cook Organic Garden Club backslash. And that was, that was Nana with your environmental news. Next, we're going to find out about something new that's happening in music with Alex Goldstein. Endless Boogie are a New York-based rock act centered around the wild guitar antics of Paul Major and Jesper Elko. You wouldn't think it by listening to their music, but the four members of this matador band are old enough to have a combined age of 169. Major, a guitarist and the band singer, is an intimidating fellow, usually decked out in a leather jacket and long banged hair, swaying back and forth on stage with a howling vocal that can evoke both Iggy Pop and Tony McPhee of the Groundhogs. The music the band plays can show the influence of those two, as well as the Velvet Underground, John Lee Hooker, and even ACDC. Unfortunately, Endless Boogie only plays shows when asked to specifically, so the chance to see them live can be rather sporadic. You'll most likely catch them opening up for uber-fan Stephen Malkmus, who Endless Boogie played their first show opening for. Another famous fan is Matt Sweeney of Chavez and Superwolf, who guessed on the last track of the new record, The Rollicking and Raving, A Life Worth Leaving. Endless Boogie's latest album, Full House Head, is available on Matador Records. With music news, I'm Alex Goldstein. You're listening to The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. The Core News will be back with news about the President's address right after this.
going to say this is Avery Brooks, and you say... And you're listening to 9.3 The Core. That's right, you are listening to 90.3 The Core, specifically The Core News. Right now, we're going to be talking about the Rutgers President's Annual Address. Every year, Rutgers President Richard McCormick delivers an address in the multipurpose room of the Rutgers Student Center. He talks about challenges Rutgers is facing, issues at the university currently. He'll talk about successes of the past year and also plans for the future. After the address... Any member of the university community is welcome to ask a question, and traditionally, Dr. McCormick stays until all the questions have been answered. There were a number of interesting parts to his address this year. Frequently, his address will touch on things that are controversial at the university, like a few years ago when Rutgers was considering merging the liberal arts colleges, which it finally did in 2007. Currently, one of the most controversial topics is the budget. Dr. McCormick discussed some of the ways that Rutgers is going to be lowering its, <clears throat> lowering its expenses over the next year. The salary freeze is among several steps Rutgers is taking to respond to the current budget problems. We have continued to cut costs and to realize savings and efficiencies. We have grown our enrollments and thereby increased tuition revenue in selected fields and among targeted student populations. And we've made some carefully chosen investments that are paying dividends now and will pay more for the future. Let me briefly describe what we're doing in each of these areas and then turn our attention to the years ahead. Because, in fact, each of the actions I have just mentioned is a critical component of Rutgers' plans for the future. First, there are cost savings. Over the past two years, Rutgers has reduced its energy expenses by approximately 5%, despite adding almost 120,000 square feet of new space. We are anticipating additional energy savings of 7% this year for an annual total savings of almost $5 million. Next month, the Office of Information Technology will begin phasing in a new Internet-based phone system in New Brunswick, saving $1.4 million a year. Although Rutgers continues to invest in new faculty, as each dean knows, we have curtailed the number of faculty searches and sought to incentivize faculty retirements. All across our campuses, there are additional examples of savings and cost efficiencies, and I implore you, there need to be many more. Second, as noted above, we've increased enrollment, especially in targeted fields such as business and engineering, where student demand is very great. On our Camden campus, whose master plan includes significant expansion to accommodate growing college, the growing college-bound population of South Jersey, and on all our campuses among out-of-state, international, and non-traditional students who add so much to our university. These enrollment increases have produced crowded conditions on the buses, in the residence halls, and in our classrooms, but they have also brought in badly needed new revenue. Again, as each dean knows, the budget cuts to our schools would have been much worse this year without the enrollment increases. At the same time, we know that we cannot enroll our way out of our budget problems. Third, this year we have made selected investments despite our severe budgetary constraints because these investments are essential to the future excellence of Rutgers and because in many instances they have or soon will increased our revenues. These investments include nearly 130 new faculty in fields ranging from autism to municipal finance to high-energy physics. 
new or improved facilities like the Gateway Building now under construction at the New Brunswick end of College Avenue, which will house the Barnes & Noble Rutgers Bookstore, the Proteomics Building, which is rising on the Bush campus, and the renovation of Olson Hall in Newark. The university has also made other notable investments this year, none more important than financial aid for our students who need help paying their bills. If we were not making these investments, Rutgers would be neither academically excellent nor physically sound in the years to come. The steps we are now taking and others like them will serve Rutgers well in the future. We hold in our hands Rutgers' destiny as a university and we bear responsibility for its future. You hold in your hands the destiny of thousands of people who came here with deserve an education. We want to know, it's a yes or no answer, will you support this intuition for them? We cannot wait until the end. This is a pressing issue. If you have a Throughout the president's address, four students stepped, got up and made an outburst. They were difficult to hear because they didn't have microphones as people who ask questions at the end are allowed to have. However, they were advocating for undocumented students at Rutgers who are charged out-of-state tuition. Later, one of the students remained and asked his question, and Dr. McCormick answered him. At this point... The students said if Dr. McCormick was not going to listen to them now, they weren't going to listen to him either. And approximately 30 students got up and followed that one gentleman who spoke out of the multipurpose room. They were holding up what appeared to be red Rutgers t-shirts, and they drew some applause from the crowd as they departed. I hope you'll come back so I'll have an opportunity to answer your questions after my speech. Later in the address, Dr. McCormick suggested that in the future, the university might be charging higher tuition in some academic areas than in others. The makeup of our student body is also changing in response to demands and expectations. On all our campuses, business education remains very popular, as do engineering and pharmacy in New Brunswick. Where student demand is growing, and where the anticipated personal income of our graduates is also high, we will increasingly see differentially higher tuition rates. In this way, Rutgers will meet the needs of students while helping the university's bottom line. The student diversity we seek also includes men and women whose situations in life are different from those of most college students. Just as in the case of out-of-state and international students, the presence of these non-traditional students improves everyone's education because they bring tremendous motivation, perspective, and experience to our campuses. They also add to the financial resources that are available to all of our programs. For decades, Rutgers has welcomed and educated thousands of non-traditional students. But today, more of these men and women than ever want and need our programs. People who are unemployed or underemployed in this economy. 
those who might not have formerly required a baccalaureate degree for their careers but now do, those whose family situations demand that they become breadwinners, those returning from military service of whom we have proudly welcomed more than 500 this year, and those who are living longer than ever after retirement. I have asked a group of faculty and deans to recommend, develop recommendations providing more Rutgers options for non-traditional students. Some of these options would be available on our campuses. Others would involve completing Rutgers degrees at off-campus sites. Still others would involve a mix of on-campus on and online experiences. That was Rutgers President Dr. Richard McCormick in an excerpt from his annual address, which was delivered Friday the 24th at the Rutgers Student Center. We will hear a little more from Dr. McCormick's speech and some of the questions that members of the university community asked him afterwards. Right after this, you're listening to The Core News on 90.3 The Core. You're listening to The Core News on 90.3 The Core, streaming and podcasting at thecore.fm. This week, we're talking about the Rutgers President's annual address. As part of Dr. McCormick's address, he discussed several ways that Rutgers might try to expand both its research and its ability to bring money into the university in the future. One of the areas of expansion was China. The faculty also told me that Rutgers has much to gain by increasing our global reach, and so we are investing there, too. A committee is working to improve and expand our international service learning program, and I have asked a group of Rutgers faculty with experience in China to recommend strategic choices for advancing our programs and opportunities there. We already enjoy partnerships in China through many of our schools, but we can do much more to increase significantly the number of students coming here from China, to send more Rutgers students there for a semester or longer, and to build new research collaborations for mutual benefit. The opportunities are vast, and they too can bring new revenue for Rutgers. At the end of the address, McCormick addressed that Rutgers has never really had it easy, but that the university is known for its ingenuity. Rutgers has never had it easy, never benefited from a whole lot of entitlement, but our accomplishments are very real. Indeed, they are remarkable for our students, for the state, and for the world. For that record of achievement, and for the next installments to come for which you are responsible, I thank you. This is our Rutgers and our future. The first question was from Professor Norman Markowitz, and in fact, he was not asking a question so much as making a statement. He announced the retirement of Professor Jandetta, who has served Rutgers for decades. Once he finished his enumeration of the professor's many accomplishments here at Rutgers and around the world, he stated that now it was time for the hard part, and you can hear Dr. McCormick saying, come back, Norman, after which one of the students from the group that made a number of outbursts throughout the address came back and asked Dr. McCormick to speak on the issue that they had been talking about during the address. Now the unpleasant stuff begins. <laughs> Norman, come back. <laughs> Hi, President McCormick. My name is uh, Ernesto Guevara, and I'm here on behalf of every student who has ever um, been disenfranchised, every student who has not been able to attend school because of financial reasons, because of um, 
this creation of an underclass of citizens because of this cre- because of um, the the mere uh, ignoring of the university of, of of these students' rights and 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 of its goal, as you stated many times in your in your speech, to educate because because education is a privilege. I mean, is is a is a right, not a privilege. Um, so my question, as you heard many other people ask, um, is Will you take a moral stance, not, not beating around the bush or, or um, any politicking? Will you take a moral stance right here, right now, in front of all these people on the record in support of your constituents and your students and all of those people who are not able to attend school? Will you take a moral stance to support um, a Rutgers in-state tuition here at, at this university uh, in Newark, in Camden, at Rutgers University as a whole? Will you take a moral stance right now? Not later, right now. Rutgers shares the goal of assuring that all who can benefit from a Rutgers degree have the opportunity to do so. Assuring that they can in today's environment is is complicated and requires a multi-pronged strategy of the kind I described today. I believe you're specifically referring to undocumented students who may not currently have access to a Rutgers education at uh, at in-state tuition rates. We we would like to respond to their problems, but it's not within our power um, nor within the purview of any moral commitment I might make. And I don't want to mislead you by trying to make one. I'm still answering your question uh, to solve that problem. It will, have to be requ- it will have to be solved in the context of uh, the government of New Jersey and of the nation. The DREAM Act has been advanced by President Obama. We support its goals. We'll join with you in advancing its passage, just as we will related legislation in New Jersey. But, but it would be misleading for you and everyone here for me to make a spurious moral commitment suggesting that Rutgers can achieve alone what it can't. We share the goals now we got to work to achieve them. I was asking, will you as a person take a moral stance? Not, not, not the university, I'm, you as a person yeah, take I'm, a, I'm, a moral I'm, stance right here, right now, yeah, to support your constituents. Be, it must be, obvious to, must be obvious to you that I'm standing here as the president of Rutgers, whose moral commitment to diversity and opportunity over 247 years cannot be doubted by anyone in the room. As president of the university, yes I share no. it and I advance uh, it. Yes or no? I've done Answer. I've, done my best to answer your question. Yes, question and answer it, please. Let's please work please let somebody else. Please let somebody else speak. During that student's question, you might have heard a tone or a bell. It sounded a little like the kind of sound you would use to, uh, to know that it's time to change classes in high school. Traditionally, people who ask questions kind of, you know, would, would go on for a while. So this year, a one-minute limit was instituted. That bell was the one-minute mark for the question. However, as you heard, it was not strictly enforced. It was really more of a a suggestion than a strict restriction. However, to remind speakers, a giant clock was projected up onto the side of the multipurpose room. Many senators of the university, student centers, senators, and faculty senators asked questions. One of them asked questions about how the increase in enrollment here at the university will affect the university's educational quality. Hello, Mr. President. Uh, my name is Stephen Lee. I'm a senator of the School of um, Environmental and Biological Sciences. Uh, my question comes about enrollment and, and admissions. Um, I am glad that you finally acknowledge that we cannot enroll our way out of the budget problems of today. Um, 
With increasing enrollments for the past two years, we have seen the increase of numbers of students at this university by 2,000. If we keep on going on that trend, we will see a scarcity of resources such as housing and transportation, which obviously Rutgers would have to re respond by investing in more projects, which would increase costs to this university. So my question to you is that in the near future, Will Rutgers finally see a cap on enrollment and not see the current trend of increasing enrollments by 1,000 students per year? Okay, that's a, that's a smart question, and it's directly related to some of the things I talked about. We're not looking for a hard cap on enrollment, although we do recognize, as I've said, we can enroll our way out of this crisis. It, it's, a, it's a strategic answer of the kind I gave in several other categories. We're looking to target enrollment increases with respect to certain disciplines and certain categories of students, and that probably means that other categories and other disciplines will decline in their enrollment. We're not looking for an ever-expanding student body of 2,000 a year. that We haven't the ability to accommodate it. On the other hand, we are taking some really important steps to accommodate the growth of enrollment, perhaps none more important than the construction of uh, 500 new beds in our new residence halls on the Bush campus and 1,500 on the Livingston campus so that the, the uh, overcrowding in the dorms that we've experienced for the last several years will not, will not be continued. We also know that we're going to have to invest more in our bus transportation system. But I think, uh, you know, a hard cap... Um, doesn't make a whole lot of sense when we have opportunities, including opportunities, to bring in students who will not only further diversify Rutgers, but further improve its bottom line. And that's, that's a key strategy going forward. All right. Thank you very much. Another student senator asked about the aesthetics of the university, and, he, and in his answer, Dr. McCormick mentioned the recent improvements here on Livingston. Hello, President McCormick. My name is Josh David. I'm a student center from the School of Arts and Sciences, New Brunswick. Um, I'm very proud of the education I've received thus far at Rutgers, and I'm proud of all the accomplishments of the faculty and students here. One thing that has been bothering me, though, is um, uh, certain campus aesthetics and facilities, um, <laughs> such as you know seeing patches of dirt on you know Voorhees Mall, which we should be proud of, and you know I am. I'm very grateful for, you know, renovating the steps over on College Ave and, you know, projects for planting flowers. But I think an important thing we should be focusing on, um, especially for visitors coming to Rutgers, is our campus aesthetics. Um, and I feel like, you know, I definitely appreciate the work that facilities has been doing. Um, and I, you know, I have seen that a lot with the flowers and the stairs and all that. But I think there's so much more to be done. And I know in this economic climate, it is very difficult to do that. I recognize that. But I think in order to attract the brightest students uh, throughout New Jersey, and especially the out-of-state students who have many more options, I think that's something that we should be focusing on. And I want to know what steps you'd be willing to take um, in that regard. I think you're absolutely right. Um, some people say that, uh, you know, beautifying the campus is something you take care of after all the other needs have been met. The buses are uh, sufficiently numerous and disabled students are cared for and the scholarship support. For, but I, I, don't, I don't agree. I think it's a very high uh, priority for the university, in part for the reason you said. It affects whom we attract. The decision that students and faculty make about whether to come here, you know, for right or wrong, 
depends in large part on how we look. And the, uh, the shabbiness of some parts of our campus is, uh, is a shame, and it is a deterrent to our being the great university we can. So over the past few years, we've made big-time investments in the beautification of the Livingston campus. Rutgers' has formerly forgotten Livingston campus now looks really spiffy, and it's going to look even better in the, in the years ahead. Um, over the past summer, we replaced a, a god-awful, oh, that's, that's an academic expression, uh, <laughs> uh, a bus stop in front of the uh, barn out here, and uh, another one will be replaced uh, by the grease trucks, uh, and still another one on George Street in the, in the within the next 12 months. Those are just some examples of investments we're making in the beauty of the place. I don't think it's superficial or spurious or irrelevant to our academic goals. I think it's just as important as you do. Okay, thank you. Yeah, we all think that the beauty of our lovely Livingston campus is pretty important. If you'd like to hear more from the President's Address, we'll be discussing it tomorrow on Core of the Matter at 7 p.m. right here on 90.3 of the Core. Or if you'd like it from the horse's mouth, then you can download the podcast from our website. Just go to www.thecore.fm. Click on News and look for President's Address. Now it's time to find out about some of the things that you can do right here at Rutgers with some of your spare time. Things that are fun or relaxing, or, you know, may even help out your fellow man. It's time for some Rutgers student activities. Rutgers University Semper Fi Society. Always faithful, uh, short for Semper Fidelis, which is Latin for always faithful, is the Marine Corps motto. We're an organization devoted to helping Marines and getting uh, people interested in the Marine Corps and uh, its culture at the university. Uh, I like the events we get to do, holding discussion panels and uh, having social events for the members of the organization. Uh, you can email me at dbcomito, C-O-M-I-T-O, at gmail.com. Read the Rutgers University Book Club. We read and discuss books, short stories, poetry, plays. It's all, we, have, we vote on what we're going to read, and it's kind of very relaxing. You don't have to come to every meeting, just what you're interested in, and come eat some food and discuss books. <laughs> Probably just the discussion, because it's not stressful. I don't have to write a paper on it. And it's I, like I can just say whatever I want about it. It doesn't have to sound smart. <laughs> so, www.eden.rutgers.edu backslash Tildelda. Thank you, Tilda Reed Club. Rutgers Pre Dental Society. We like to serve as a place where pre-dental students can come together and sort of share their information. So we have students who've learned a lot over the years, and we like to share that wealth and give opportunities to visit dental schools, meet deans, and meet current dental students to sort of get a feel for what they're in for. Um, I think that really just the coming together and the networking of the students is a really good way for people to know what to look for and sort of have a camaraderie among, among all of us. Our website is eden.ruckers.edu slash rudental or if you just google search Rutgers Dental Society it's easier to find that way. That's all for this week's edition of the Core News. We will be back next Monday at 7 p.m. right here on 90.3 The Core. Or you can catch our podcast anytime online at thecore.fm If you'd like to ask us a question about the Core News, suggest a news story, maybe even join the Core News team yourself, well, you can do that by sending us some email. 
That's news at thecore.fm. The Core News has been brought to you by Amy Bronstein, Yashwanth Mandanat, Alex Goldstein, Nana, Rebecca Berkowitz, Stephen Yannick, and Mindy Hoffman. Remember, if you want to hear more about the President's Address, then you can check out Core of the Matter. That's tomorrow at 7 p.m. right here on 90.3 The Core. Stay tuned for Steve and the soothing sounds of musical whiplash, or maybe even sounds inflicted. You never know. It's a constant surprise. Either way, you'll want to stick around and listen to it. That's right here on 90.3 The Core.